0: Hello and welcome to the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency, all things homesteading and about how we can reduce the gap between our consumption and our production. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 462 of the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today is an oddments episode. We're covering all sorts of bits and bobs that I've been up to over the last little while since my last oddments episode and we've got loads and loads to talk about. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you to everyone who downloads the show. Thank you to everyone who listens along. Thank you to all of our supporters all of our patrons thank you to everybody who gets in touch with me the show is going from strength to strength and we're getting more and more listeners all the time and i really really appreciate each and every one of you and i hope that you do know that i uh, I hope i say it enough um i couldn't possibly say it too much so uh, yeah thank you every everyone who's listening i appreciate you thank you i really really do so I'm going to start by just getting you caught up with a few things that I've been up to. I've had a birthday since we last had an Oddments episode and I started off with that huge thank you, but I want to just extend that even more because on the patrons only Facebook group they uh, they kicked me out of the group for a few days and uh, I I don't go on Facebook a great deal as you guys will be aware so I didn't know any of this was happening but uh, some of the patrons there they organized a little whip round for my birthday and they just very generously sent me this amazing birthday present Uh, effectively it was like a a homesteading gift voucher something I could put towards something for the homestead and uh, I've spent it on a new worm bin so thank you ever so much to you guys I just I couldn't I I I was so touched when I got that card. I was just completely blown away by it. It's completely unexpected. So thank you so so much for that. And uh, yeah, so I've got myself a worm bin, and I have to say I haven't been so excited to receive something in the post for a long time. When it arrived, I was so happy because one of the things we've been struggling with a little bit, and I think it's because when when most people do this, so when most people live the sort of life that I'm living and they grow their own food and they keep their own hens and whatever, they, you know, whatever size house you're living in, you kind of get there quite gradually, or at least you kind of add things in a certain order. But because of our house move and where we've moved from a place where we are used to keeping pigs and we're used to having over a hundred poultry We've moved from that space down to a regular house, you know, with a regular garden, which you guys will all know. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't need to beat that drum. But what it means is that we were, we're, we're kind of facing a few systems that are all a bit wonky. So for the first time in I don't know how long, we've actually had to put some food waste out for the recycling and it broke my heart to do it and i'm talking about very little but i'm just talking about more than our chickens could cope with more than our composting system could cope with because i'm really reluctant to do too much food composting in our garden and in, in, in introduce rats and things here so having this this worm bin really does feel like a huge puzzle piece coming home and i'm just i was so thrilled and you know if we had developed this way of living while we'd lived here then it would have been different we would have gradually introduced things and worked up to it but we've gone from a a place where we had all these systems in place these large systems in place and then all of a sudden we've got to try and incorporate things from a standing start so the composting is definitely one piece in that puzzle that I've sort of struggled with and I feel like this could be a really big as I said piece in that puzzle that that kind of brings everything together so I'm super super excited to get that done and uh, part of that project is I've actually been harvesting my own worms my own red wiggler worms which are the worms that live right near the top of the surface and I've done that by putting some cardboard down on the ground keeping it moist and then lifting the cardboard and underneath there you've got your worms that have come up to the surface to uh, decompose everything up there and and we'll work on the things that are decomposing now of course in the future when I've got a bit more experience and I'm up and running properly we'll do a whole episode on worm bins and worms but uh, for now I just want to say that uh, I have my worm bin I got the urban worm bag which is from an American company you can buy them on Amazon, and it just looked like a fantastic system. And it was a system that was sent to me by a patron. Actually, I received an email and I've forgotten who sent it to me. Please forgive me. I do apologize. Um, But uh, yeah, I I received an email with a video in it linking to uh, someone talking about this Urban Worm Bag, and it just looked great. So that's what I've got. It's called a flow-through system. So we're not stacking trays and moving trays around. We're literally able to open up the bottom and and capture our worm castings and everything from the bottom of this bag and the worms live in the middle section and then in the top you have your composting material i'm really really excited by it Uh, another birthday present i got was an air fryer which my wife bought me and i'm getting used to that that's great as well we got that because i'm thinking it's going to help reduce our electricity bills because we're not having to heat a huge oven all the time and the cooking times are also reduced so a lot of the things that we would cook in the oven We can or even on on the stovetop, we can now cook in this smaller space and uh, more efficiently. And uh, I'm expecting to see a bit of a difference in the amount of electricity we're using by having that. So that's another great addition to our homestead kitchen. I'm really, really happy with that. So, yeah, it's been it's been a a great month for for me. (laughs) Um, I've also found the time to go fishing a couple of times. I've been down to the coast and we've caught some mackerel. Now you might remember last year was a complete washout for whatever reason the mackerel just weren't coming into the shore and even I even went on a boat fishing trip last year to try and catch some mackerel in preparation of my September challenge which we'll be talking about a little bit more later and I absolutely blanked I just didn't get any mackerel at all last year which is a real disappointment mackerel 's one of the things that that there are fish that are really easy to catch when they 're there, and you can go down and you can catch dozens in just a couple of hours if they 're there and I like to catch about fifty a year because there 's five of us in our household, so fifty a year that means we can have one mackerel dinner. Every month for the year, roughly, and uh, we use them just as they are. But we also make fish cakes out of them and things like that. So, like I said, I like to catch fifty a year. That takes up about the right amount of space in our freezer, and uh, gives us mackerel for the year. And uh, I've started that already. So we've got about a dozen in the freezer at the moment, and I'll be going again next week. Speaking of fishing, there's something else which I've been turned on to by another podcast I listen to. So I listen to the Meat Eater podcast with Stephen Rinella which is just I I absolutely love it it's really really fascinating it's very very American centric and it's based around hunting but they talk about all sorts of things about you know the ecosystems and the 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 ins and outs of hunting and trapping and and I just really really enjoy it but one thing they they've spoken about quite a few times not recently but I'm going back through their back catalogue is something called squid jigging and i had never heard of it before and it's the idea that um, you go off a pier basically and you use a specific jig something called a spig jig a squid jig so it's like a lure but it doesn't have hooks like you would normally think of it's just got these sort of spikes sticking out and they don't pierce the squid but the squid just hangs onto them and you just jig these things off the pier and catch squid and uh, i've done a little bit of research and in the winter we get them here and we can go hopefully squid jigging off a pier that's not too far from me so i'm really really excited about that i love squid and uh yeah I'm really, really excited about that. You know what's interesting to me. this is uh, oddman's episode is the great place for me to park this, and I'd love for you guys to uh let me know your thoughts but it's It's interesting how some animals we have different names for them when they become food, so squid we say is calamari when we 're going to eat it, and deer we say is venison when we're going to eat it and beef we say well cows we say is beef when we're going to eat it and then some animals we don't you know we call lamb lamb we call chicken chicken and uh, I wonder why that is if anyone's got any thoughts on that I used to think it was an idea of making things palatized so uh, palatable rather so you know deer for example if you called it deer then uh, people were less likely to eat it because it seems like such a lovely cute furry animal but then I would have thought that we would we would do the same thing with rabbit but we don't tend to do it so yeah if anyone's got a theory as to why that happens please do let me know so I've mentioned my September challenge so I've got a few things to say about that so I may as well do that now so I have got there is a a post on the Facebook group and I really, really, really encourage you all please to come and participate with this. I need some help working out what my September challenge is going to be. So if you've got some ideas of what I can do for my September challenge, there's a couple already. um, Then please do get in touch because it has to be slightly different to last year. We're not going to have enough here and where i'm not producing our own dairy it's just going to be really really difficult so a couple of the ideas that we've already had one was around having a budget so maybe i have 20 pounds and that's what i can spend on food for the month and everything else has to be self-sufficient another idea which was from alex todd at the net zero homestead he suggested that i do the same rules as last year but it's just one meal a day um There are some other ideas I've had since. So one of them is perhaps I use all the same rules from last year, but I am allowed to barter my time. And what I might do is I might go and find a dairy where I can go and do a couple of hours work in exchange for milk things like that Um, so that's one idea of what I could do Um, another one is around the idea of technology and I just won't use any technology that wasn't around in the 1800s so you know I'll do all my cooking on an open fire and things like that you know I'll do my washing up outside on a fire with cold water that I'll get from the river and and all those kinds of things so these are all different ideas I'd love to have yours and if you're not on the Facebook group and I understand that um, then you can get them to me via email email at selfsufficientcontact at gmail.com but I do want your ideas and in the next few weeks we'll put up a poll and uh, everyone can have a vote there'll be a poll on the Facebook group but you can vote elsewhere as well well I haven't worked out the logistics of that yet but we will and I'm going to undertake the challenge that is voted for so please please do get your ideas to me I need your help guys so don't be shy a few other updates from around the house we've had quite a few failures earlier on in the early summer in the the late spring in our vegetable garden so we've lost a lot of our beans and peas now I put that down to the fact that where we planted them I basically put in this brand new no dig bed put down a load of cardboard brought in loads of compost and we put about six inches of compost on top so quite a lot and then at the back of the bed we didn't have anything to buttress it so it just sort of fell away down a steep slope and we planted a lot of our beans and peas along that edge and I just think they haven't been able to take up enough moisture and we've lost so many of those but we've got other plants that we've put in in their place we've got lots of fast growing dwarf beans and things that are coming through now are broad beans are flowering and things like that so you know we have lost quite a lot of those um but generally speaking we've done okay uh and i think it just goes to the idea of me me rushing this no dig bed and not really quite having the time to get it set up as I would like and it's my first experience where I'm only dealing with a brand new bed I don't have any existing beds I can use so it's accentuated all of those problems a little bit more than it otherwise might and it's really again this year has tuned me into the differences between growing in ground and growing in pots and because we've got a brand new no dig bed it can be a little bit more like growing in pots than growing directly in the ground because there isn't yet that or there is probably now but when we were when we were first sowing our seedlings out there wasn't that connection between the existing ground and our compost on top, it was acting much more like a pot, so it would dry out quicker, it would waterlog quicker, it wouldn't have those, all those elements of the soil food web, and that connection to the earth, that it needs to have that resilience, and uh, I've really noticed that this year, but it's definitely it's definitely all coming together now our tomatoes are doing fantastically well the beans are doing fantastically well um we've also lost my sage plants we've we brought some sage plants here and we've lost all of those i've replaced them with with more but uh I was really quite sad about that because in our last property, our sage had grown to this huge animal of a plant, and it was fantastic. It's one of the herbs I use a great deal of, but uh, keeping it in pots has been a bit more challenging. And again, I've lost that to overwatering. So, just a reminder, folks, that overwatering is, at least in my experience, it's far more deadly than underwatering for most of our plants. And uh, I'm certainly guilty of that, as I've mentioned before. But sage, really, where we've grown it before, we've had no trouble. It's been one of the easiest plants in the world to grow. But I've never grown it in pots, I've only ever grown it in the ground. And it's about having that balance. In the ground where everything is so vast, you know, the earth it's planted into is literally the earth. It's the planet. So when there is a lot of downfall of, of rain, it can dissipate and spread out over all of that soil that goes quite deep. And when there's no rain, when there's no rain for several days, there's still access to moisture below the ground. And you don't have that. You don't have that sort of resilience in a pot so uh, yeah we, we've I've been struggling a little bit but we've had more successes than failures I think we moved a couple of our berries we moved a, a really big established gooseberry plant and a really big established currant plant when we moved in and of course it was springtime they were really in full swing they had loads and loads of foliage and they were starting to think about setting fruit but we had to move them because they were where my polytunnel was going. And we've done a really good job of that. I'm really, really pleased with that. We dug up as much of the roots as we could. We put them in big big containers and we really cut them back substantially we left a few of the leaves on there so they can still photosynthesize but we cut them right back and they've done really well and a couple of them are trying to fruit still we're taking most of the fruit off we've left just a a couple of berries on each one and uh, but they're looking really really healthy so when we transplant them into their final location hopefully next month when our fencing's all finished um, we're going to have done it they're going to have survived I'm really really happy about that Uh, we've also got baby chicks now one of the things my wife struggled with for the first couple of months was finding her place finding things to do because she likes to be busy and and one of the things she loved about our old property is she could always tinker with things there was always things to tinker with and she was missing that and uh I think over the last month or so she's really found her place and and one of the things she loves tinkering with is hatching chicks. So we've had some broody hens, some broody pekins and one of them wasn't successful. But one of them has been and we've got three young chicks that she has hatched and that's part of my wife's daily routine now, is sort of tinkering with those and finding the 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 new housing for them. Where are we going to put Mum and the chicks for a few weeks until they get a bit bigger and because of course you can't you you need them to have access to a different type of water bowl if you like you also need them to have access to a different type of feed that the other hens would just gobble up if you put kept them all together so um That's her sort of little project at the moment that she's absolutely loving, as well as beautifying the front of our house by introducing loads and loads of scavenged flowers from uh, different places. I don't think she's bought very many, but she's managed to acquire 30 or 40 pots of flowers here now. And the front of the the house is looking beautiful as a result. The only other thing I've done since the last oddments that I have mentioned, I think already, is we've uh, we've really got into the swing of things making milk kefir cheese. So uh, that's something that is in our rotation now, along with our other cultured things. There's quite a lot going on now in terms of Dad's fridge in my fridge. There's uh, water kefir, milk kefir, sourdough starters, all that need sort of varying degrees of attention. And I have to say, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's one of the things that I'm really happy to be to be doing and to have gotten into again after a little full start with Milk Kefir a few years ago. So we, I feel like we're really up and running now. It feels like a homestead. It feels like we are homesteading. And uh, yeah, I'm super, super happy to be where we are and to be doing what we are doing right that's all of my news that i've got for you guys the last thing for me to do is to do a draw for the practical mushroom encyclopedia identifying picking and cooking mushrooms by peter jordan and stephen wheeler and that is going to be going to one of our patrons When we moved house, I had a huge library of homesteading books and I've had to downsize that library and these giveaways are a result of that. So they are used books that have been on my bookshelf and have been used by me, Um, but hopefully they're going to find new homes with you guys. And if you want to be included in these drawers, which I try and do every Friday, there have been a few occasions where I haven't been able to do one on a Friday for various reasons, but generally speaking, every Friday contains a patron's drawer. All you need to do is become a patron of the show at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub you will not only become eligible for these draws but you'll also have access to the patrons only facebook group and this week's winner is robin willis robin willis can you please send me your address via email to selfsufficientcontact@gmail.com, at and i will get this book posted out to you uh while we're on that topic elliot i now have your address thank you so much uh there's been a bit of an issue with me getting a hold of that due to my spam filter i think but i can't couldn't find it for a little while but uh, i've now got your address and everyone else that sent me your address i should be posting these books out in the next week or so thank you ever so much for listening guys please share this podcast somewhere whether you you're at home with family members that you think might enjoy it whether you go to college and you want to share it with people on your course share it at work share it with your mechanic your gran your doctor just share it with someone who you think might find it of benefit that's one of the best things you can do to support us here and uh, until next time stay safe and I'll speak to you really soon cheers This episode of the Self Sufficient Hub podcast was brought to you by our patrons. You guys are awesome. If you'd like to support the show, there's lots of ways you can do it. The easiest of which is just to like and review it wherever you get our podcast. You can also tell somebody about it, whether that's on social media or just face to face with a friend who you think might benefit from it. But however you support our podcast, we really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to become a patron, please consider doing so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, it's listeners like you that make all of this possible. Thank you ever so much for listening, and I'll speak to you really soon.